This passage that we just read may be very familiar to you, Kim, because we just uh, heard it at our charge conference uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the thing is, as we heard it, there was one line that really jumped out at me. And it's haunted me ever since, because I think that here Paul has pinpointed the problem in much of the church in the United States of America today. He says, so that your faith, talking about the faith of the Corinthians and talking about your faith as well, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Now stop and think about this. What is your faith based on? What does your faith rest on? Does it rest on fancy things you've heard people say? Persuasive things you've heard people say? Or does your faith rest on the power of God? The thing is, I'm afraid that much of the church has drifted and it can happen easily and it can happen even more easily because the enemy will help us along in moving from trusting in the power of God and starting to just trust in people. If you trust in people, you're going to be disappointed. If you start putting your faith in a preacher, sooner or later, you're going to be let down. Just think of how many preachers that were at the big mega churches and uh, in the big TV ministries and all have bitten the dust in the last 20 years. I mean, just tons of them. And the thing is, they're fallible and, the, and they wind up disappointing. And whenever they disappoint, the people that have been listening them and following them are going to wind up being disillusioned. And the thing is also is that you can wind up just being distracted. The enemy loves to distract and get you so busy. But uh, we, in fact, the church as a whole can be trying to do good works in God's name and fall into listening to people instead of God. And in the course of doing so, I'm afraid that much of the church in the United States has found themselves in a mess and far from God. We wound up talking about this at our uh, stats and stories meeting the other night when somebody just asked, isn't the Methodist church in some sort of a hubbub right now? And yes, we are. And the hubbub is over whether we are going to follow what men have to say or follow what God has to say and trust in the power of God. Because there are those that are wanting to cast aside scripture and say that God can't change people. That if, and anyway, I'll just leave, let that go at that. But many, many in the United States today that bear the name of Christ have become the very people that Paul warns Timothy about in uh, 
the second in the second uh, epistle that he wrote to Timothy, where he says, but realize this in the last days, difficult times will come for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And he says, avoid such persons as these. Notice it says, in the last days, if you'll turn on the TV with this passage in mind and just watch the news, you'll see we are in the last days. You will see every one of these things just brought up in a different way. In the next chapter, uh, Paul tells Timothy, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. You know, since I answered God's call to be a pastor and headed off to seminary, I have witnessed a change just coming just steadily into the church in the form. And it comes through people being influenced by more than anything else, liberation theology and its close sister, feminist theology. Many have been lured away from the foundation that's been laid out plainly in the Bible and they're now following the wisdom of people instead of putting their faith and trust in the power of God. It can happen so easily. I can remember I moved to a, a new church, into a new position in a very large uh, church and uh, wound up getting so busy so many hurting people around me and so many people that needed discipling. And I got so busy doing God's work that I found myself far from God. It's paradoxical, but I found myself hurting physically, emotionally, financially. And I was trying to handle all our own problems in my own power and I was trying to use my own wisdom and power to help other people in this large congregation and I found myself just burnt out and you know it was at that time that I wound up basically being forced to go on a weekend that I've told you all about. I'm not going to go through all the details, but the main thing is 
The Lord used that weekend to tap me on the shoulder and to remind me of three things that I had forgotten about God. Yes, he cares. And yes, he is able. But also, he is willing. Those three things, sometimes we can get so busy and tied up in our own efforts and our own trying to take care of our own business that we forget that we've got a God that cares, that is able, and not only does he have the power, and we can all talk, you know, theoretically about God's power, and yeah, God's bigger than anything. Yeah, God can do anything. But the main thing is that we need to remember is he is willing to impart into your life what you need through his power. You know, it's amazing. I went in that weekend hurting financially, physically, emotionally. The physical part was I had an abscessed tooth that I couldn't afford to go to the dentist with. And whenever the next Monday, as I walked in the office, there's a guy standing there talking to people in the office. And he says, hey, you're the new you're the new associate here, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, you know, if you ever have any dental problems, I'm a dentist here in this area. And it's one of the things that I can do to, to help out. Uh, with our uh, pastors is to, I, I, I take care, I'll take care of you for free. You and your family will take care of you. And next thing you know, I had a crown where that abscess tooth had been. And uh, $1,500 worth of work done whenever I didn't have 20. And uh, everything else worked out. There was uh, every, everything just fell into place. But we need to remember that God's power is where our faith should be. Not in ourselves, not in other people. And it's so easy to get distracted. And uh, just, if you, and, and, and uh, this is what the church should be proclaiming. I see the church today involved in all these social justice issues and bringing about division as they're supposed to be bringing about unity. I see uh, just so much stuff going, agitation and stuff that's really ungodly going on in the name of Jesus Christ. And then in the middle of all that, God's power is available. And as people, as, as there's just sighing, dying, crying humanity all around the churches, all around us, in our neighborhood, all around people hurting, people that need to avail themselves of the power of God in different ways. And the church is silent on the things that God needs to get across to people and that he wants to get across to people the most. He 
cares. He's able. He's willing to help you and anybody else that you know. He has the power to help you with your finances. He has the power to help you physically. He has the power to help you emotionally. The Bible makes it clear. People's testimonies prove it. He has the power, and this is where it all begins, to forgive sins. He has the power to heal. Do you remember whenever the scribes and Pharisees were making the hubbub because Jesus walked up to a man and said, my son, your sins have been forgiven. And they said, who is he that said he can forgive sins? He said, well, just to show that the son of man has the power to forgive sins, take up your bed and walk. And the guy hopped up and walked off. Now, the thing is, you see, uh, they were not thinking that he had the power to forgive sins. And today the message is you don't need to be forgiven of your sins. And as people are told that more and more, the enemy cements this wall between God and them just harder and harder to where it's hard for them to avail themselves of his power to forgive their sins and to open the portals of heaven so that they can know him and know eternal life. He has the power to forgive sins, the power to heal, the power to save, the power to deliver, the power to change. You'll see people who are trying to come out of sin being told, you can't change. You're stuck. This is who God made you to be. You can't change. And yet God has made it clear and the testimony of many will show you can change. And more than anything else, after you come to know him, he has the power to keep you. Jude, the half-brother of Jesus and the brother of James, ends his epistle with these words. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. The one area where you need his power on a daily basis more than any other in a fight that you're going to be fighting your whole life is in your battle against sin. And that's what I really want to zero in on today. Some of you are sitting here today discouraged. Some of you feel beat up and ashamed. Some of you are sick of fighting the sin in your life. And some of you have just about given up altogether. 
And the truth is, all of us are not only guilty of sin, we are slaves to sin. And so we not only need forgiveness, we also need deliverance. We need freedom. And here's what I want you to uh, just embrace today. Listen to this. No matter how powerful sin feels in your life, God's power is greater. That's the message of this morning, and I want to repeat it. No matter how powerful sin feels in your life, God's power is greater. In Exodus, we read the fantastic story of God's power to free his people from slavery. In chapter 14, we get the climax of the story, the crossing of the Red Sea. Before the people of Israel cross over, they're overtaken by their enemy. Their enemy is strong and they are weak. But you see, their God is stronger. And here are three things I want you to take away from Exodus 14. Three things I hope will encourage you today. Number one, the enemy doesn't want to let you go. That's the truth. He doesn't want to let you go. At this point in the story, things haven't gone so well for Pharaoh, have they? Ten plagues have racked his nation. His firstborn son is dead. And he's just lost a big, cheap source of labor. If he had any sense at all, he would have called it quits, wouldn't he? God has been pounding on him. But evil, narcissistic, power-hungry people are often irrational. And so Pharaoh is not ready to give up, even after all the evidence he's experienced that God is stronger than he is. He hears that the people of Israel have actually fled his country, and he says, Let's go get them back. And he takes, I've never noticed this until this past weekend. He takes 600 select chariots. I never noticed he made the difference. He's got 600 select chariots and then all the other chariots in Israel. Now these 600 select chariots, chariots. They were the war chariots. They were chariots of iron. And many of them had scythes on the wheels. You've seen them in different shows, I'm sure, where it looks like swords just all around the wheel and they they whir as the people are riding along in the chariots so they could just tear through people and just really cut them up. And, uh, And those chariots carry three people instead of two. They carry one driver and then two warriors, two people to fight while one people steers and drives. The other chariots just carried two people, a driver and one warrior. And so he sends out 
these 600 select chariots. Think, I guess, one of the closest uh, analogies I could find today as to what he sent out would be uh, like, uh, let's see, what would, oh, uh, think Cobra helicopters. You know, those like you used to, like you see this flying in with the guns mounted on the front and they're fast and they're furious. Uh, those and all the other chariots. And he pursues the people of Israel with his whole army. Every military advisor uh, with half a brain would say, you've lost already, man. But Pharaoh isn't willing to let these slaves go. And this is exactly the insanity and evil of our enemy, Satan. He just will not give up. I mean, and it's made clear, if you look in the book of Revelation, he's going to be defeated again after he tries to mount an uprising, and he's going to be tied up or he's going to be imprisoned for a thousand years. You'd think he'd have enough time to think about it. But what does he do as soon as he's released from this prison? He tries to get up another army and defeat God's people again. And God's people don't even have to lift a finger because I think it says that the Lord just speaks a word and they're toast. But he, you see, this is just it. Pharaoh's acting just like our enemy, Satan. Now, Jesus defeated Satan on the cross, but he won't quit his hot pursuit of God's people. And that's why we can never become complacent as Christians. We have to be on guard. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Are you watchful? Do you know his strategies? You should be able to identify the unique ways that he tempts you because every one of you are unique. And so your temptations are going to be tailor-made by him just to fit you and your heart. Is it stress? Is it exhaustion? Is it boredom? Is it loneliness? Is it pride? Is it at school or at work? At a certain friend's house that you wind up being more tempted? Is it in your room? Is it driving in your car? When, where, and how does the enemy come after you? You must be watchful because he doesn't want to let you go. He wants to keep you enslaved, even though the Lord has already set you free. Number one, the enemy doesn't want to let you go. Number two, God fights for you. Israel, at this point in time, they have their back against the wall. They have been cut off by the Red Sea. I'll have people come to me sometimes. 
with just impossible circumstances facing them. And you know what I tell them? I tell them, you are in a fantastic place to have a Red Sea experience. Because you see, it's just those times when it seems like there's no way that God makes a way and is glorified as he does so. But they're terrified and they look on their enemy and they complain because they were under the false assumption that following God out of slavery was going to be easy. It wasn't then and it's not now. We make this mistake every time we assume that uh, following Jesus will be easy. He never promised that. But in Exodus, God gives us a true promise. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. Imagine this. Israel has the sea on one side. Pharaoh on the other side and they are trapped but between pharaoh's army and uh well let's see i'll get this right now the thing is they were trapped but they were helpless but christ moves with all his power And he positions himself in our own lives between us and the enemy. And this is what I want you to see one of the greatest pictures in the Bible. God is present in a pillar of fire and a cloud. And his presence moves between Pharaoh's army and the people of God. It's one of the greatest pictures that you'll see. They are helpless, but God is not. And this pillar of fire and cloud just moves between them. As I said, we're trapped in sin. We're totally helpless. But Christ moves with all his power and he positions himself between us and our enemy. This is the good news of the gospel. Your battle against sin is real, but you're not fighting alone. Jesus fights for you. He died fighting for you. And in the victory of his resurrection, you win as well. Now, this doesn't mean you're not going to sin. It doesn't mean you will not struggle. It means that if you put your trust, if you put your faith in God's power, you see this in God's power, not your power and not somebody else's wisdom, your enemy will not defeat you. And so this week, when you face temptation, it may seem overwhelming, but remember which side of the pillar that you're on. You're not fighting alone. The Lord fights with you. Third and last thing, God will save you. As Christians, we can still find ourselves wondering, am I going to make it? 
Will my struggle against sin ever really end? And what we learned at the end of this story is magnificent. That the Lord saved Israel and his people saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. The day will come when your enemy will be gone forever. Satan will be destroyed. You will live in eternity with no temptation and no more sin. Revelation 22nd chapter, we read, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him, and night will be no more. No more darkness. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever. If you're a Christian, that's the end of the story for you as you hang in there in faith, trusting in the power of God. But what exactly was it that got Israel across the sea? What got us into this glorious eternity? In Hebrews eleven nineteen, we read, talking about the people of Israel, by faith, the people of God crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted the same, were drowned. And that's it. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to faith. But where do we place our faith? Paul was so concerned that those that he was talking to might place their faith in the wisdom of men instead of in the power of God. And I am concerned for the people that the Lord has entrusted to me. And I just want to encourage you this morning and urge you, put your faith not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.